The following audio presentation is from Parkwood Baptist Church. The purpose of Parkwood Baptist Church is to glorify God by laboring together for the growth of all believers while going with the gospel to all peoples. More information about Parkwood Baptist Church is available at parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org. Our text today is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 5. Invite you, if you would, to stand as we acknowledge this is the Word of God. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is your holy word. We confess that through the Spirit of God alone shall we understand it. We confess what this word says, that Holy Spirit, you are the guarantee. So lead now in the preaching of your word, in the hearing of your word, in the receiving of your word, and the application of your word. Speak into the hearts and lives of every person gathered and those who are listening. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Last week, As we looked at verses 16 through 18 of chapter 4 and previous to that, Paul has been pressing a conversation with us, a truth about the temporary and the eternal. So let's just make a few emphatic statements. COVID-19 is temporary. At least that's what they keep telling us. (laughs) It is temporary. I don't know when it's going to be over. You can't wish it to be over. But it's temporary. It's not going to last forever. But you know what else is temporary? This is very important. The way of life before COVID was temporary. That wasn't eternity. That wasn't hope. So brothers and sisters, the eternal is not yet. So as we think in the temporary and we think about the temporary, we've got to ask ourselves a couple of questions. Do we give up because of how difficult things are or do we live? Well, the answer is we live. So the main idea here today is that through the indwelling spirit, we long for the eternal while living in the temporal. Verse 16 of chapter 4. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or temporal, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So he's going to go now and go deeper in explaining this difference between the transient, the temporal, and the eternal. Or you can use two other words continuity and discontinuity. What is continuous? What continues on? The answer is you do. That you are an eternal 
being. But there's a discontinuity. The, the house that you're currently living in, the tent, your body, is going to be destroyed. But it is going to be resurrected. So even though there is a discontinuity to your body, there is a continuity to it as well. So let's remember what we said last week. The Bible never teaches that your body is bad. It teaches that your body currently is mortal, but it is going to be swallowed up by life. And that's what we're looking toward today. So the first thing we want to see is that followers of Christ long for the eternal while living in the temporal. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God. Paul says, we know. Present active indicative. So this is a present active ongoing indicative that is a true thing of us. We know. We understand and we experience. So so who's we? We represents here the follower of Christ or the followers of Christ. Those who are trusting in Christ alone for salvation. So Paul here, instead of just making a confession about himself, he includes all Christians, both as individuals and as the corporate body of Christ, that all of us have our hope fixed on God's work in Christ alone. I want you to turn to John chapter 14. In John chapter 14, Jesus uses some similar language here that Paul picks up on. This text, along with 2 Corinthians 5, are often read at funerals. John 14, verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my house, Father's house, are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also." And you know the way to where I'm going. So Jesus saying here, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I'm going to come for you. And you know where I'm going. And Thomas says, no, Lord, we don't know where you're going. And and as a result, we have no idea how the way to get there. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if you are included in the we, or let's say it this way, the only folks who are included in the we in chapter 5, verse 1, we know, are those who are trusting in Christ alone as the way to salvation, as the truth of salvation, that everything that is said of him, that what Christ, who Christ is, and what Christ has accomplished on the cross and through the resurrection and that we believe he is the life, that there is no other source of life, not just physical life, but eternal life, and that no one comes to the Father except through me. Unless that is what you believe, you are not of the we. And brothers and sisters, we live in an age to where people want to talk about spiritual things. In fact, people are pretty spiritual, but they want to say there are many pathways to God. There are many ways to God. There's only one way. And that one way is through Jesus Christ and through Christ alone. Now, those who are trusting in Christ alone, here's what they know. Here's what they understand. 
that if the tent, now I'm back in chapter five, that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God. So he's drawing on a metaphor, an illustration of what your body is like. Your body is like a tent. Now Paul had every right and reason to talk about tents. He was a tent maker and a tent repairer. So a tent is at least two things. First, it is temporary. It is not a permanent home. It will not last forever. And secondly, it is vulnerable. Even though you are covered from part of the elements, you are not fully covered. Many years ago, I took a group of teenagers to Mexico, out to a little peninsula sticking out in the Gulf of Mexico. It was the hottest place I've ever been in my life. We stayed in a tent for 10 days. We bought these tents that were all mesh on the top that you could put a rain fly on if you needed it. We never needed a rain fly, ever. What we did not take into account was not the rain, was the sand. Out on this little peninsula, the wind blew at least 20, 25 miles an hour all day long. We thought it was going to blow the tent over, but it blew the sand into our tent. So you didn't have to take a bath. All you did is get in your, in your tent every night. You didn't get inside the sleeping bag. You just laid on top of it, and the sand ground all the other dirt and filth off of you. Then there were the pigs. Every night when it would get dark, the pigs would come. And they would try to get into our tent. <laughs> you should have heard the kids the first night the pig showed up. We realized that we were extremely vulnerable. That's what a tent is. It's a temporary place that's vulnerable. In the book of Job, there's a description of our body this way. How much more will those who dwell in houses of clay, whose foundation is in the dust, who were crushed like a moth? You ever crushed a moth? It just turns into dust. That's what the Bible is saying of us, that we're vulnerable and we're temporary. So this tent that is our earthly home, so when it is destroyed, so it's going to be torn down or demolished. This is talking about death. That there is a point coming for all of us, if Christ does not come first, to where this earthly tent, this earthly home is going to be destroyed. But when that takes place, here's what we know. We have a building from God. So this is God's work. God is the originator of this building, this this is an image of permanence here, that God is giving us something that is permanent, not temporary, something that is eternal. It is a house not made with hands. It is fascinating to me, the language here. It literally says a house not touched with hands. That means we had nothing to do with it. Zero. It is a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. It has a forever and permanent location. That this house made by God, not made with hands, is eternal in the heavens. Now, some of you are going to remember this. You're old enough or been around it enough. There used to be an old uh, quartet song that people used to sing, and, and, and it drove me insane, okay? 
Now, a lot of people liked it, but it drove me nuts. Uh, the song went something like this. Just build me a cabin in the corner of glory land. You may remember this one. Hank Williams made it famous. A cabin in the corner of glory land. That is not God's intention. God's intention is not to duplicate a version of this life in eternity. I hear people say things like, and I'm not going to use an example because I don't want you to feel picked on. But here's what I want you to conjure up in your mind. The greatest location or thing or activity that you can do. And you might hear people say, when I get to heaven, I'm going to live X or I'm going to do whatever for eternity. Some, like it's some kind of permanent vacation. Brothers and sisters, you must not impose your human experience on that which is indescribable and eternal. What God is preparing for us who are in Christ is exponentially 10,000 times 10,000 greater than any human experience or location that you can come up with. If heaven ain't a lot like Dixie, finish the sentence. I don't want to go. Well, bless your heart. Really? Country music, bluegrass, whether you've ever listened to it or not, has influenced your theology more than you are aware of. We, brothers and sisters, are waiting for a building from God, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Look with me in 1 Corinthians 15. In the heavens doesn't mean going to heaven. It is describing the fact that God is preparing for us a body fit for heaven. 1 Corinthians 15, the first man was from the earth, the man, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are we of dust. And as the man of heaven, so also are we of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, so also we also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers and sisters, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the perishable... The tent inherit the imperishable. And he's going to go on to explain what God has to do. So, so here's the question I have. Paul, Paul here is obviously discussing and explaining something in a manner to which we don't normally think. So how is it or how is it possible for my mind to get off the temporary and onto the eternal? How does this transpire? Well, the answer is this, that through the indwelling spirit, we long for the eternal while living in the temporal. And Paul's going to explain it in verses two through five. For in this tent, we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, that we would be further clothed. So what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. Now, to understand this paragraph, we got to start in verse 5. 
He who has prepared us for this very thing is God. That is, God has accomplished this or produced this. It's not that it's something he's still getting ready for. He's done it. He has has prepared it already. He has prepared us for this very thing. Now, how do we know it's been prepared? He has given us the Spirit as a down payment, as a guarantee, as an earnest, a pledge, a promise. Now, this is not the result of our works, nor is it in a response to our works. It's not about us at all. This is the work of God. The Spirit of God resides within the hearts and lives of every believer, and it brings about true and lasting experience. Paul is describing something that we experientially know, not just up in our heads. It affects our lives. It affects how we live. Here's how it plays out. Verse 2, for in this tent we groan longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. So the reason Paul groaned longingly for his resurrection body is the work of God himself, God the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit resides in us, causes us to groan. The word here means to sigh or to pray inaudibly. Last few hours, my grandfather was alive. He he murmured like that and upset some of the members of the family. I knew exactly what he was doing. My grandfather was praying. He prayed his whole life. The words might have been inaudible, but the spirit was still at work. And in those final hours, he, he was longing. Longing and groaning go together. Here's what the word longing here means. It means to strain, to get on your tiptoes and to look. So this groaning and longing here is not a a negative thing. It's a positive thing. And it's in light of the reality that we're in the tent. That we're in the temporary, but in this temporary we're groaning, longing. Turn over to Romans 18, I mean 8, verse 18. Pastor Chad read this earlier in the service. Let's, let's, let's read through it and notice the distinct parallel. In fact, the further explanation of the work of the Spirit. For I consider that the present, the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed. So admission. There, there's, there's suffering. Now he's done that in chapter 4, verses 16 and 18. There's suffering. It's real. But it's not worth comparing to the glory to be revealed. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from the bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Here's what creation standing on its tiptoes waiting for, longing for, is the revealing of the sons of God. That God bringing about this eternal home for his children, which is going to impact all of creation. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves. Why? 
Why are we groaning with creation? Who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we, eager, we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes of what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait with patience. So what is it we're waiting for? What are we longing for? End of verse 2, back in chapter 5. We're longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. Now, Paul combines two metaphors now. He went from tents and buildings to clothing. So this is, this is crucial. You get this. Paul's not saying God creates a building like your house that you're going to go in and out of. No, God's going to create a building and you're going to put it on like clothes. It's permanent. And it quite literally here means putting on means like putting on an outer garment. That we're putting on this heavenly dwelling, this house not made from with hands, this building from God. So what are we putting on, brothers and sisters? We're putting on Christ. Because salvation from beginning to end in the Bible is Christ. This is a rather long quote, but I think it helpful. It helped me. Paul teaches that Christ will take our physical bodies that are subject to disability, disorientation, deterioration, and death and make them like his glorious body. Hence, Paul's aversion to an undressed soul should be interpreted within the framework of his desire for an immediate transformation of his physical body. Nevertheless, when death does occur, he will always be with the Lord. Thus he writes elsewhere. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Romans 14, 8. In short, Paul does not teach that the soul sleeps until the day of resurrection. Upon death, the believer is forever with the Lord. But until then... While we are still in this tent, verse 4, we groan being burdened. Now, he goes from groaning and longing to groaning and burdening. <laughs> so, for all of you who are older, or for those of you who worked out hard yesterday and hadn't done it in a while, regardless of your age, your first move this morning was, uh. <laughs> slowly getting it moving, right? So we groan being burdened, quite literally, weighed down. We groan because we're weighed down. And we can be weighed down physically. We can be weighed down emotionally. Burdened. So while in this tent, we groan being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed. So he's continuing this illustration that you're putting on. There'll be further clothes so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now you see what he's saying here. He's not doing away with us entirely. He's not doing away with your body entirely. He's going to swallow it. And what's he going to be swallowed with? 
What's the answer? Life. Let's go back to Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's going to be swallowed in Christ. Just like Jonah was swallowed up by a whale, we're going to be swallowed in life. And Paul explains this. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And here's what Paul's saying. Death's not something we avoid. It's not something that erases us. Death is something that is conquered. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. You see it? Put it on. And this mortal body must put on immortality. And when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory. What? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, brothers and sisters, because this is true, and because we know it is true and we experience it as true. Here's the question. Am I longing for the eternal while living in the temporal? I read this this week. You've heard something like this before. <laughs> we are, we're all like the eight-year-old girl who wrote the pastor and said, Pastor, I want to go to heaven, just not yet. There's always a phase in our life when we're going to think like that. But the more mature you become in Christ, it's not that you wish death on yourself. It's not that you're trying to hasten death on yourself. But the longer you live, the more you long. The more you long for the eternal while you continue to live in the temporal or the temporary. This, this is not an expression of dissatisfaction or it's not a, a longing or a yearning for death. It's, it's the profound longing to be overcoated, to be swallowed up with the blessings that God has for us. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Are you going to say it this way? If you truly are a Christian, then the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells within you. And he who raised Jesus, Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Brothers and sisters, that does not mean he's going to keep giving you life in this life so you'll keep living to be 110. That's not what he means. He means your mortal body's going to die and just like Jesus who died was raised from the dead, your mortal body is going to be raised from the dead in life. That Christ, who is your life, will sustain you. And how do you know this to be true? Because right now, the Spirit who dwells within you is giving you life. It's a both and. It is a continuity and a discontinuity. So we know that through the indwelling spirit, we have victory in Christ, the hope of the resurrection. We know that he's going to give life to our mortal bodies now. We sing it this way. The same power who raised Jesus from the dead, that same power now lives in us. So Philippians 1.6, 
I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I'm confident of this, Paul says, that he who began a good work, that when the resurrection power, when you were born again, that good work, the work of God, not your good work, when that work was brought to be, God says he's going to bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. So this ongoing work is now and it is proceeding toward the day of completion when Christ comes and death is swallowed up in victory. Let's just simply say it this way. What the Lord starts, he finishes. He will leave nothing undone. So brothers and sisters, we experience the power and presence of God now through the Spirit and we anticipate the consummation of God's power and presence at the end of the age through the resurrection from the dead. So we live in the temporary, confident of, and longing for the eternal through the Holy Spirit. So there's two things I'm certain of as I conclude this message. Two things. Number one, COVID-19 will come to an end. Number two, Christ has conquered death and he will bring to completion what he has started in each and every one of you who are in Christ. Amen and amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we bow before you, we confess our need of you and for you. Lord, we pray that we would give thought and heed today that which we have heard, that we would come in repentance of our focus on the temporary and we would look to the eternal, that we would confess that our minds get set on the things of the earth when they should be set on the things above. And Lord, we confess that the only way that we are made right and turned right is through the work of the Spirit. So Holy Spirit, thank you for illuminating us now with your word and thank you for calling us to yourself. Lord, take now this song as we make a good confession together that it is not us in any way at any time. It is not I, but Christ. It is Christ in us. So now may we encourage one another and implore each other in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this audio presentation from Parkwood Baptist Church, located in Gastonia, North Carolina. Please feel free to share this message with others. For more information about Parkwood Baptist Church, visit parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org.